You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 760 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you live on a Thursday evening into Friday morning. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting bar in the business. And remember to use the promo code Locked On to get $10 off on your first box of Built Bars. Joining me on tonight's podcast and uh, in a little bit of a sneak peek, he'll be back again pretty soon to continue this series that we're going to be doing. Zach Hood of Peachtree Hoops and the Step Back and Falcons Report is here. Hello, Zach. How you doing, Brad? Thanks for having me on. My pleasure, sir. And uh, as I just said, this is basically going to be a five-part series that we're going to be doing, um, sort of like what, what I did with, with Ben Ladner over you know several weeks. Not going to be rigid with the, with the time frame. There's a lot of empty space right now. And the NBA draft is, is now the biggest thing, of course, in terms of Hawks stuff. The Hawks could be playing regular season games, I suppose, in the next <laughs> several weeks. But even if they do, they won't be terribly interesting to most people. And with that, with that in mind, the draft's going to be coming at some point, so we're going to be diving in here, and Zach's agreed to do this with me, which I appreciate, but rather than doing like your standard quote-unquote traditional positions, point guard, shooting guard, small forward, etc., we split these up into five categories that are more modern, I would say. Um, we'll do one, uh, one episode on like sort of the lead guard, point guard types. We'll do one episode on combo guard types that can kind of play one or two. We'll do, we'll do an episode on the wings. The straight wings, I would say, and then we'll do an episode on the big men later on, and then today's episode is going to be on the forwards. Now, I understand, just before everybody gets into this, there are definitely some guys that fit into more than one of these buckets if you want to squeeze them in. I totally get that. We did our best to sort of pick the best of these, um, but there are definitely some versatility things, and I understand that. So context is going to be important, and we'll talk about all that, but that is our, our undertaking right here, and honestly... I think Zach, you might agree with me on this, and I'll ask you this in a second. But um, I think the forward one is probably the least sexy for the Hawks, and probably overall there isn't that like super shiny prospect here. You could, see, you could I guess you could argue Denny Abdia, who we'll get to later on, is that guy. But does that uh, make sense to you? Is this probably the least um, sort of shiny one of these groupings for you? Yeah, I mean, not even just for Atlanta, probably, probably just in general, but especially yeah. for Atlanta because Atlanta drafted. I mean, Cam hasn't played the four, but he played a lot of small forward and he's like lanky, you know, six, nine, six, seven, whatever. Um, it's not really like with Collins back. It's just not, it's hard to find the forward that comes in and like makes sense for the Hawks. Yeah. I mean, the only, we'll, we'll talk about him later, but I think the only guy practically, unless the Hawks were to trade down from their spot, the only player on this list that the Hawks could probably draft with their own first-round pick is Denny. Everybody else, you could squint maybe and talk talk yourself into one of these other guys as a top 10, 12 guy. But where, where the Hawks are, um, you know, top seven most likely, you know, as low as eight potentially, I can't see them drafting anybody else on this list without moving down. So that kind of tells you the story to some degree. But before we get to the, to the sort of top-tier first-round picks, I do want to start with some guys who will be in a second-round mix. Um, there's some guys I want to definitely touch on briefly, but uh, I'll open it up to you. Uh, do you have a favorite or two of these guys who, you know, in mock draft circles are not necessarily projected to be top 40 guys, but that you actually kind of like? Because in this draft, it's pretty flat 
in some spots, and I think that could be useful when talking about sort of the second round. And of course, the Hawks have that pick at 52 right now. Yeah, I mean, it depends where you have Paul Reed. He's probably a little bit out of the, that class that wouldn't go in the top 40. I definitely think he'd be in the top 40 on a lot of boards. But if Paul Reed is for some reason not in a top 40 for a team, I would, I would say that's not good. I think he's, you know, the way he, the way he can shoot, and how he moves at least for his size. I mean, he's not super tall, but it looks like if you know he could get a little bit thicker and you know not be horrible defensively. And he he's really exciting on offense. Some of the guys who lower. I mean, Jordan Nawara is really interesting. He's been one of the better scorers in the ACC for two years, and. He's just really not that athletic, but he's good at basketball. So if he doesn't, if he doesn't translate to the NBA, I think he'll definitely be like a really good Euroleague player, um, which is someone who's good enough to be in the NBA. But maybe it's just like I just don't think he's going to be happy if he's not getting a lot of shots, and I don't know if he's good enough to get a lot of shots in the NBA. Um, he kind of reminds me of like Justin Jackson almost, like dominant college player, but then at the NBA. He's probably just going to be a shooter. And then someone I think is undervalued on the national boards like is I actually think Kenyon Martin Jr. is a little bit better than the 90th player in the draft. I mean, he's he's not like the most like fluid athlete or fluid like ball handler, and he's not that tall, but I don't know. I just – when he's sitting still, he can shoot, and he's still young. He's only 19. He just did that extra year at IMG instead of going to college. And I don't know. He, he just seems like the guy who like in three or four years, if, if he could be a little bit looser and a little bit better of a ball handler, he could actually become a small forward and, you know, maybe just be a strong defender at some point. But I don't know. Those are the guys that kind of stick out to me. Yeah. I think uh, all of that is, you know, within reason. I think we'll talk about Paul Reed in a second. Cause I think, yeah, I've seen some people that are too low on him. I think he is someone who absolutely should be like a top 40-ish guy for most people. Um, on the bottom of the list, you know, the guys that we're just kind of maybe glance on, I think Martin is an interesting, more of a two-way guy for me. I think it'd be tough to draft him thinking you're going to get anything out of him anytime soon, but the athleticism there is interesting. He obviously has the, the pedigree as well, and sort of a weird case. He's one of those guys that is not going to play college basketball. He's just going to be in the draft and that's uh it's tough to evaluate those guys without a whole lot of tape on them but he could be a nice flyer especially if you're the hawks at 52 maybe you want to take a uh, a swing maybe try to have him be on a two-way etc um there's a couple other like sleeper-ish guys who are maybe not super highly rated like christian doolittle is a guy i kind of like because he you know he just does he does a lot of things well but he's kind of old I can't imagine him going very high or maybe even being drafted at all but that's a name to keep an eye on he's from Oklahoma Trenton Watford's in that range too the LSU forward you know Eve Pons from Tennessee there, there are names that could make sense in that 50-ish or lower range or if you're talking about two-way guys you know last year famously the Hawks immediately almost signed Charlie Brown to a two-way on the same night as the draft and uh, you know that didn't go particularly well I don't think but there are teams and the Hawks could be one of them that might start trying to pounce on guys as soon as the draft's over and there's a couple of those kind of candidates here I will have to plug my personal favorite which is Isaiah Isaiah Livers which is definitely a homer pick by me but uh he can shoot and uh, the Hawks need and the Hawks need some shooting. So if they wanted to go out on that route, that, that's kind of the only thing that he does well. 
But if you're trying to find someone who has an NBA level skill, he has one. Um, and that's kind of what you're looking for at this point, honestly, in the, in the draft, or maybe as an undrafted free agent is a guy who can do maybe one thing really well and hold up elsewhere. Yeah, I agree with that. My point with Martin is just people are going to put Jaden McDaniels in the top 20 and like, he's got a lot of the same question marks as Martin. Like he's a long way (laughs) from being anything. So like, I know he's six ten, and like, I definitely think, you know, he's a, a better prospect, but 90th compared to where some people have McDaniels. I just, I don't, I think that's a little too much separation between just athletic young guys that, you know, need a lot of work. Oh yeah. I, I agree with that by the way. I mean, I think we'll talk about, we'll talk about McDaniels in a second for sure. Uh, but Martin is a guy who, aside from the name, which is a famous name, like I think there is at least some stuff to work with there at the same time. It's tough for teams, I think especially this time around, to evaluate a player like Kenyon Martin because they don't have that full pre-draft cycle and he doesn't have college tape. He doesn't have international tape. It's just high school, and it's high-end high school tape, but it's not the same thing. It's really hard to kind of figure out um, what you're going to get out of him without the individual workout aspect and the meetings and all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, I, I tend to agree that the tool, the raw tools are there, and like I said, I think a two-way investment and Kenyon Martin Jr., you know, Hawks or not, somebody should take a, a take a flyer on him. I think just for the uh, the raw athletic tools. Um, before we get into some other guys who are a little bit higher ranked that you know could be late first, early second round types, I want to take a second and talk about the good folks from Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and there are almost endless reasons to love Built Bar. In addition to the incredible taste of Built Bar, it's perfect for anyone that's trying to be health conscious with the ability to lose or maintain weight while still indulging in something that tastes delicious. Every single bar is low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. And to make things even better, it's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate, unlike some of their offerings in the space. Built Bars are soft and easy to chew. My personal favorite is the banana nut flavor, but there are plenty to choose from. In fact, there are 16 amazing flavors, and they all present their own appeal that everyone can fall in love with. I would fully recommend Built Bar, and in order to check it out for yourself, go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first order. That is promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. It's a perfect day to try Built Bar. All right, Zach, uh, let's continue bouncing around a little bit here on the uh, still lesser known guys, but guys who, um, at least in some circles, are maybe seen as first round candidates. Um, I want to start with Tyler Bay because Tyler Bay is probably the most polarizing. You mentioned polar. You, you, you mentioned Paul Reed earlier. That's that, that's a guy who's also polarizing. But Tyler Bay, you can find people that have him in the top twenty five, and then people that may have him going undrafted. That's the kind of split that you're talking about with Tyler Bay, and I, I sort of get why because if you don't buy the offense, um, it becomes maybe a little bit difficult. Um, but he's a fantastic defensive prospect in pretty much every way in terms of just his off-ball stuff. He's sort of a terrifying like playmaker type defensively. And if you figure out if you figure out anything on offense at all to do with him, he becomes pretty interesting. Yeah, I think you just hope he's a catch and shoot guy on offense. And if he is, I mean just how many shots he makes basically depends if he's, you know, a thirty minute per game player or if he's a, you know, eighteen minute per game player. If he's if he can really shoot it, you know, I don't think there's really a problem with him starting next to, you know, someone like even like perfect would be Trey young. Um, not necessarily, you know, I know the Hawks have guys like that. They just drafted, but just someone who can get him the ball and he, so he doesn't really have to do a whole lot of things, but I don't think he's going to be, 
a like a great offensive player. I, I think he'll probably, you know, the high end for him is probably to be like a good shooter and that be the most of his offense. So I don't, I do not get the stuff about him being undrafted though. I think, no. I think, I mean, he could be like a Terrence Davis. He could tell people he doesn't want to be drafted and pick where he wants to go. But I think that's his path to being undrafted. I don't think it's like that he's not a top six. I think he's easily a top 60 prospect. I'd probably have him. I haven't done a, a full, I do tiers. I haven't done like a full number thing, especially that deep yet. But uh, I'd, I think he'd definitely be around 40. Yeah, that's about where I have him too. And if you told me that he was in your top 30, I wouldn't blink at that because he, he actually shot a pretty decent percentage um, during uh, last season for Colorado. Um, I'm not sure I buy that. And by the way, he is pretty old. I think he's like 22, which is part of the uh, reason why people are a little bit worried. But I do think the defense is legit. And if you can get anything catch-and-shoot-wise like you're talking about out of Tyler Bay, that's a pretty interesting prospect. I don't think he'd be there for the Hawks at 52, probably. But if he is, that's like a guy you definitely want to circle as a uh, as a player that you should be targeting. I, I think he shouldn't be there, but hopefully, uh, if you're a Hawks fan, you're hoping a guy like that, at least one of those guys in that kind of range, uh, falls that far. Um, let's talk about Paul Reed now, because you mentioned him earlier. Paul Reed's another... They're not that similar between Bay and Reed. They have some crossover in some respects, um, but Reed's also a little bit older. He's a six-nine guy out of DePaul. Um, you know, he started out really well early and got a lot of buzz kind of out of nowhere, and then he kind of slowed down a little bit later on. But the the defensive numbers for Paul Reed are kind of ridiculous. It's like two plus steals and like almost three blocks a game. That's pretty impressive. And his, his efficiency was actually all right. Offensively. The problem, uh, you know, some people would point to his offense being a little bit um, difficult to project, which I probably would agree with. But even then you're talking about a guy who's like six, nine with a seven, one, seven, two wingspan that kind of creates some havoc defensively. Um, what do you make of Paul Reed? I mean, I really like Paul Reed. I, I like how you can set a screen too. I think that's something that, Bay doesn't really I mean he might have done I can't say that he didn't do it at Colorado but I just don't really see him as like a screen threat in the NBA because well, I mean what's he going to do he's not really going to roll so it just seems like it'd be kind of pointless but I think Reed actually could roll I mean he, especially on a second unit against someone's backup center or even just depending on the matchup it might be like if he's playing against John Collins I think he could uh, you know compete with you know someone who's not huge uh, defense, he could like be really physical inside, and then also he could shoot. So, I mean, honestly, like a really insane offensive peak for him would be something like Collins. I mean, that'd be probably the best outcome. But the defense makes him so much safer than a lot of the other guys, even in the late twenties. So, I mean, I think you know, he, even if you have a player at his position he's someone for anyone to look at yeah I I think I'm skeptical of the offense candidly I really am you know the shooting I think it was like 29 percent from three this year in college you know I'm not sure he's going to be able to shoot he's a guy who doesn't necessarily uh, he doesn't necessarily have to shoot that's the one positive thing about his offense is that he's so good on defense potentially that you won't care and he's a little bit bigger to the point where he could probably play small ball center for you in a pinch um, and defensively, he's pretty versatile. So I can sort of see it offensively. I just, I'm not sure I buy it. But even then, even with me saying that, he'd still be a top 40 guy comfortably for me. So it could be even higher than that. If you buy the offense, 
a first round projection on Paul Reed makes a lot of sense. Um, he's a little bit older, but not in a way that like would scare me off a ton. Um, do you like Reed more than Tyler Bay? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I just what I like about both of them is they kind of have bankable skills, and they're obviously it's both in defense. But I think Reed with his size, like, like if Bay can't shoot, he's Andre Roberson, and like. I don't even know. I mean, being as good as Robertson on defense is not a given for any prospect. No, so for, for anyone in the world, probably. Yeah. So it, if he can't shoot, I mean, I'm not saying he might not be quite as bad as Robertson. No. Um, but you don't want to slide towards that territory where like teams are scheming towards you, you know, and then your team is trying to like figure out how to keep you on the floor. Like that's just, I'd just rather have another prospect at that point. So Reed, even if he can't shoot, like you're saying, he can slide down to the five and in the right lineup, it won't really matter. You can still have spacing with Reed, even if he's not shooting great. So, and I think Reed will make open threes. Like I think he'll be maybe, and he'll probably never get to where Collins was this year, but where Collins was, you know, 18 months ago where he would just take an open one and make one every now and then. I think Reed could do that. Yeah, no, I can, I can see that. I mean, again, I think his offense is something I'm kind of skeptical of, but, even with that said, I, I still think I buy the uh, the package as a pretty intriguing player. He rebounded well as well this year in college, and I, I kind of like him um, overall. Um, the last guy that's in this kind of tier, um, well, maybe 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 Daniels as well, but uh, he's sort of a separate case. Uh, Robert Woodard is in uh, a lot of first-round discussions, like late first-round projections. He's out of Mississippi State. I'm a little bit lower on him, but even then, he's still a top a guy who should go in the top 50 probably just for what he brings to the table. I think he, you know, six seven or so, you know, 200 pounder. He's probably closer to a wing than some of these guys actually are. But at the same time, I, I stuck him here because I think I think it might actually need to play the four a little bit. He does have a, he does have a seven foot one wingspan, um, but you know doesn't doesn't do a whole lot of things right. Uh, well, I should say right now, he's he's definitely more of a projection guy. That you know, if you see the measurables and the potential skill set, Woodard could be interesting to me. But he doesn't really do a whole lot on offense at this moment in time. And uh, defensively, he's he's solid for sure. I think, but he's not the kind of game changer projection that a guy like maybe Bay or Reed are. So I I routinely see Woodard mocked ahead of those two guys, and I actually have him behind those two guys. Yeah, I actually agree. I think it's probably just because he's isn't he a little younger? I I'm not sure. Yeah, I think he I yeah. think he's 20. I mean, he's still not super duper young, but he's also from a major conference, which probably helps. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Just Reed and Bay are like Brandon Clark status as far as age, and like you see how the league values that. I mean, maybe they'll adjust a little bit, but in general, like Brandon Clark is still an outlier. Most 23 year olds don't come in and like be like 18 million dollar players like or like you know people can clearly see that they're going to be 18 million dollar players so i don't know i mean i get it but at the same time i think reed and bay are definitely better like right now yeah i think uh water would be interesting for the hawks at 52 if he's there that'd be a guy that'd be a guy who realistically could be there but uh in terms of just the forwards and how i probably tier these guys he would be uh, behind the other two. I want to make sure we at least talked about him because I do think that Woodard should be drafted. So, you know, for me, the guys that we've talked about so far that I think absolutely should be and probably will be drafted, 
um, are just are just those three: Reed, Woodard, and Bay. Everybody else we talked about, you know, maybe Martin Jr. has the highest upside of the rest of those guys. But um, if they all went undrafted, I wouldn't be surprised or bothered really. Um, from Woodard up, I, I mean, Woodard and Bay up, I think those guys should be drafted and will be drafted most likely. Um, there's a guy sort of in the middle that we have to talk about now, and that's Jay McDaniel's. So. Jay McDaniels, people that don't know necessarily, um, was supposed to be a big-time prospect in this class. Before the season started, he was routinely in top tens, maybe even a little bit higher than that, going into Washington. You kind of see why. He does have that um, you know, 6'9", 6'10", long, um, good bloodline. He, you know, his, his brother was is an NBA player right now. Um, he was a major high school prospect, etc. But he was not good this year at, at uh, Washington, just to put it kindly. Um, you could definitely see what people like in terms of the projection with J.D. McDaniels, but at the same time, it's projection because right now he's not, he's just not very good. Um, that's the, that's the short version of what it is. And to the point where like, I, I kind of like his defense more than his offense, which is, not, which is not what you were expecting to talk about with McDaniels maybe a year ago. But I say all that just to tell you, and I think you probably heard the same thing I've heard. I think he's still going to go in the first round um, because teams buy it more than people like us do. And there are different, different prospects like that. But McDaniels is someone who I think could actually work in the right system where he's not asked to do much. Um, I listened to a podcast that I think is on Prep to Pro podcast, and they put out um, this idea of him going to like Toronto and just developing a system where they can kind of cater to his strengths. I would actually love that, and then that's that's late in the first round. That makes a lot of sense to me. But if you make Jamie McDaniels like this, like focal point, it's not gonna work. But uh, I've said all that. What do you, what do you, what do you make of McDaniels? Because he's uh, he's he's still polarizing, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone outside of the top ten is really going to be a focal point for their team, especially given that this offseason is probably going to be really weird. I mean, it's probably not going to be your normal offseason with a full summer league and all that. So I think almost no rookie is going to come in. At maybe, maybe none at all. And definitely no one outside, you know, the outlier random guy who's going to produce like your Kendrick Nunn. And then, you know, one of the top guys will be good or maybe a couple of them. So I think McDaniels easily goes top 20. Like I, I it wouldn't surprise me if he went 12th. Just he just has tape out there that he can do stuff that a lot of people in the draft can't do at his size. And I don't know, in this kind of draft, I mean, Teams aren't going to get the workouts, probably. They might, but that might help or hurt him. I don't know. But if he has all these flaws and he doesn't know what the hell he's doing, then it'll probably help him. <laughs> so I could see him going, like, 12th. Like, I really could. And I just – I think the floor is probably, you know, 25. I just – there's too much stuff that he can do. And plus, you know, they still look at those high school rankings. They, they you know, they might blame Washington – as much as they blame him for how he played this year. So the scout might. So I, I definitely see him as a top 20 guy. I mean, even if I don't have him right there, I, I definitely think it's this draft is not like good enough to keep him out of the top 20. I think if you're rooting for McDaniels um, to succeed, which I, I want all these guys to succeed. So I'm thinking like I'd want him to go to a spot where it's a good organization that makes guys better. Like for instance, you know, Boston's got those three picks right now. I think if he went to Boston, he'd have a pretty good chance of working out at some level. Same with Toronto. Like these smart organizations, I think if they maximize his skill set, I'm with you that he probably he probably will go higher than I have him just because of what you said, the, the, the high school rankings, RSCI, all that stuff. I think the raw 
tools are interesting. I think he's not exactly a super bursty guy offensively, which probably holds back some of that. Um, but, you know, I, I don't like his offense much, I'll be honest with you. But defensively, I see it, and the, and the tools are at least theoretically there. Um, I want to make sure we talked about him because you're right. I think he could go... Maybe not twelfth, but like you know, late you know, late lottery, you know, mid first round wouldn't stun me. I wouldn't take him there, but once you get into the twenties, I think it's perfectly reasonable. Even if I don't love what I saw this year um, whatsoever, as I've kind of probably made clear. I, I'll make <laughs> I'll make a bold prediction that Jaden McDaniels is next season's Cam Reddish. He'll he'll help he'll figure it out at some point, but it will not be good if he plays a lot at the beginning. Yeah, I mean, I I don't. Just to be clear, uh, I think you probably agree with this, but he's not as good of a prospect as Reddish was. But I'm I'm with you on the fact no, that. No, I mean, yeah, I I, got, I, he, I know what you're saying. <laughs> he could do what he could do what Reddish just did without being a great prospect, though. That wasn't yeah, I was a think, great season. Right, I, I think he is the kind of guy who might look just completely lost early on, and you see him improving late, which is what you're really talking about there. So I'm with you on that. I think that actually makes a lot of sense for McDaniels and uh, I, I do think it's going to be scheme dependent and organizational dependency for uh for McDaniels if he's if he's in the wrong spot it may go bad but if he's if he's if, if he's on the right team and they know how to use him and can develop him I think he's also a guy who could, who could honestly use some G League time that's the kind of player McDaniels is um I'm not sure he'll he's, get it but we'll see he's he's just played so much big time AAU basketball like people in the NBA have known about him for a long time in the way that they knew about Cam for a long time yep and it's just, I just, I, he's just one of those guys that's going to get picked. I think like people just know who he is and he's big and he can shoot and he blocks people off the backboard. Like he just kind of checks. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Like he just, yeah. he looks the part and like he might be good. So someone will take him. Yeah. I, I think we, I think everyone, even people that don't like him understand that he's going to go fairly high in the draft and, and kind of understand why anyway, at least the theory of it. Um, okay, there are four more guys that I want to talk about that I think are pretty safe to project to go in the first round in addition to McDaniels. But before we get to all of those guys, a quick word from the good folks at Blinkus. It's hard to find the time to sit down and read and learn more when you don't have the free time. You can't read or work on personal development. There is an incredible app, though, that solves that problem. It's one of the ultimate life hacks, and I highly recommend it. It's called Blinkus. It's unique. And it works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them in, down in just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Successful people that are well-known for reading a lot of books. Blinkist is made for busy people like you that just want to get the main books, um, sort of all the points of those books, quickly so you can start using the information right away. And with the audio feature that Blinkist also has, it is easy to finish the book during your commute, on your lunch break, or even while you exercise. 12 million people are using Blinkist right now. It has a massive and growing library from self-help books to business, health and history, etc., etc. Blinkist has the latest titles from the bestsellers list, as well as classic nonfiction titles that you always meant to read but never actually have the time to do so. With Blinkist, you get the unlimited access to read or listen to the entire library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want for just one low price. And right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash NBA to try it absolutely free for seven days and save 25% off a new subscription. That is Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash NBA to start a seven-day free trial. From there, you'll save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash NBA. All right, Zach. 
let's finish this up with the foremost high-profile guys. Um, in addition to McDaniels, I think these are the four guys that I would project flat out as first-round picks, um, and they are Denny Abdia, Sadiq Bey, Patrick Williams, and uh, the. Oh, I'm waiting for this pronunciation. Here we go. Alexei Pokushevsky. I have no idea. Um, that's as close as I'm going to get on this podcast. Uh, that's not, not, not necessarily the order of those four guys, but I, I think it's pretty safe, and I, I'm wondering if you agree with that, that those four guys, in addition to McDaniels that we just talked about, are first-round picks. Yeah, no, I agree. I would probably have Bay fourth. I know you might disagree with that. I just The upside with Bay doesn't like blow me away. I think he's definitely going to be a thing. Like He's going to be in the NBA, and he's going to be all right. But like I just... He's just not like really exciting to me. I think at a certain point you just take him because he's the best guy there. But um, Williams, Poku, who I'm just gonna call him Poku. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, Poku, and even McDaniel's. Like if someone took McDaniel's over Bay, I would understand it, especially if it's like the Knicks, and it's not like OKC or someone who could actually use Bay, like and help you know might help him on a playoff team. Like the Knicks could use Bay, but he's not gonna make them you know, better. If it's, if they took, um, McDaniels and he panned out, that could change their franchise. So it just depends on who you are. I think if you're a playoff team, then Bay is probably not fourth on your board. I think Bay and Patrick Williams make the most sense if you're a playoff team, but if you're Charlotte, I would have Poku number one on my, I mean, probably even over Denny. And I would definitely have Denny and Poku as the guys I'd be looking forward to. Yeah, these are these are four very different prospects, which which makes it a lot of fun. Let's kind of go one by one, um, just to make sure we catch on all these guys. Um, Poku, which the last time we'll call him by his full name, this is uh, Alexei Pokusevsky. Um, This is someone who kind of, I won't say came out of nowhere, but people did not know who he was. Um, at least most people, uh, non draft Twitter people, did not know who he was until pretty recently when he started being mocked in the first round the last couple of months. This is a seven footer. Um, that is basically a perimeter shooter, three and D kind of guy at this point. Um, he's like a he's like a point guard, honestly. Like if yeah. he could just move a little better. But uh, I would I would say the best way to get people to understand, like if they haven't seen him, would be like you know, I have him on right now just to watch him even more. But um, <laughs> I uh, he's like a Jokic, but he moves so much better than Jokic. He's like. Jokic in the way that he's like not a great athlete, but he moves a little bit more like a Ben Simmons. Like he doesn't fly up and down the floor like that, but he's not like like he moves like a big wing. Yeah, he's not he's not he's not explosive, but he's pretty fluid. Like he just gets a... up he just gets up the floor almost like um you know, I'm not comparing him by any means to this person, but you know, Larry Bird wasn't ever a great athlete, but he could run the break. That Poku can run the break. He's not going to run it and dunk on someone every time, but no. He has incredible vision. Like some of the windows he throws even half court passes into, you have to watch it twice to see how he saw it. And he's not a great scorer right now, but it looks like he's going to be able to shoot. Um, I don't know. He's just really exciting. And if you're a team, like I said, like if you're Charlotte or even Washington, if you're trying to start over at eight or nine, I think you could take him and he could end up being, you know, maybe the best player from this draft. I mean, it's not, it wouldn't be that crazy. He could also not, you know, be that good, but yeah, I was going to say he, I'm not sure. Um, number one, he's an exceptionally weird prospect to try to evaluate for a number of reasons. Uh, I think you probably understand that now. If you, even even if you haven't haven't seen him, you just listen to us talk about this seven foot weird hybrid player. That's not really a center, even though he's seven feet tall. Um, 
and then you get into the fact that he's also playing it's just terrible competition. He's playing, you know, B League. It's, you know, the closest comp I can make in terms of just purely what you're trying to watch on film is what the experience was trying to scout Giannis. And he's not Giannis. I'll say that right now. He's not Giannis. But in nah. terms of just like watching a watching a guy play against terrible competition in these small gyms, um, that's just physically, you know, he's a seven footer and who has real body control and fluidity. Um, it's hard to kind of figure out, at least for me and most people, I think, like what he's going to be able to do against real competition. But at the same time, what you said, like his ups, his theoretical upside, if, if everything worked out, which is always a big if, it's pretty scary what he could become. I'm, I'm always going to be a little bit lower on a guy like this because I value floor a little bit more than some people do. And I think his floor is pretty low. Um, because he's really not strong at all. Like that's one thing that's going to have to fix. I think everyone agrees on this. He's going to have to get a lot stronger because right now he couldn't play in the NBA. He'd just get thrown around. There's no way he could like survive, honestly, physically with most of the stuff. But when you're seven feet tall, it's okay. Uh, especially if he can shoot, like that's a swing skill in a lot of ways, because if he doesn't add bulk, it may not matter, but he could still be pretty weak and be a perimeter player at his size. As funny as that is at seven feet tall, and it will work if he can shoot. If he can't shoot, that hurts him. So that's that's something you have to figure out pretty early because it looks pretty good when he shoots it, but the numbers aren't great for what we have. No, I mean he was only at twenty nine percent on threes, but I just I don't know. I I kind of look at what he can do. Not yeah. like I I know it's not like I know the people aren't good, but like he is actually like making some of these players look decent, like <laughs> game transition and. I don't know. Just some of the passes he throws. It's like if I think if you put good talent around him, I'm not. I mean, obviously that's the big question. You don't know if he can rise up to that, but I just I don't know. I just you don't really see people that can do what he can do. And well, all yeah, the that, pe- that's really what it comes down to. Like and like it's a- I I personally believe in international prospects when I like what I see on film because I don't. You don't want to be. You don't want Luka Doncic in your second round. I'll just say that. Like, no, I mean, you can't. You like, can't have. You, you have to trust your eyes and like not worry. I mean, I know this isn't the Euro League, and it's not even close. This is like, you know, this is basically like saying that this is maybe NCAA. It's probably like D two. You know, something. No, like I was that. gonna say. I think it's. Yeah. I think. I think the competition that you're watching him play on is actually considerably worse than the major college players' competition that he's yeah, playing yeah, against. But, I'm just saying, like, if this guy was doing this in D2, just look at it that way, he would still be on the radar. <laughs> he would be on the radar. Yeah. I mean, like, he, he should be on the radar, absolutely. And even the, even as someone who is not, like, all in, and I'm more skeptical in general, I would still totally understand a team using, like, a top 20 pick on this guy. Even if I, I don't really see it right now in a lot of ways. Like, just the theory of it is worth a flyer. Um, I... You know, my personal board, I don't know. I honestly don't know where I'm going to put him. It's one of those things where, like, it's hard to really place him almost more than anybody in the entire class for me because, you know, the upside is, like you were saying, exceptionally high. But the downside, like, I could see him not being an NBA player. That And that's, that's tough for me because, you know, spoiling the difference on that, I do think that upside matters quite a bit in the draft. But when you're talking about, like, I've seen people, and I think you might even be in this in this group, that would take him in the lottery, and it's tough for me to take a guy like this in the lottery, or in the top 10 even, when I, I genuinely don't know if he will be an NBA player. That That's tough for me. And I get why. I, it's weird. Yeah, and 
I, I actually feel I don't know if he'll be a good NBA player, but I do I do think he's an NBA player if he wants to be. Like he could go somewhere else and you know be a great player in Europe. But if he wants to be an NBA player, I think he will be mainly because I think he has really good footwork. Like even in the post, like he, he's really good at using his pivots and his fakes. And the other thing he's really good at, even I know it's not good competition, but it's still he's good at attacking closeouts, and he has the instinct for attacking closeouts. And I think he'll just have to figure out how to finish over you know a seven footer every time he goes to the rim, or maybe he doesn't finish. Maybe he just kicks, and he'll have to you know work through all that. I think it's definitely like you know kind of like a thing where he could be like a seven foot Michael Carter Williams, like <laughs> like he's, he's just not that great at anything, but like he's just hangs around because he's long and he can guard somebody and he can dribble the ball off the court. Like he has like three or four things he can do that keep him in the league. Um, but I actually believe in him a lot more than that. I mean, he has good footwork, like I said, and the shot looks good when it's going up. I just, he's so young. I think he's still 18. Um, yep. I, I would easily take him in the lottery, I mean, especially once certain guys are gone. And if I'm, you know, not if I'm, if I'm Portland, I wouldn't take him. And I, I just because I don't know how long it's going to take him, and you need to get Dame some help. But if you're one of those other teams, even New Orleans, like, I mean, they could take him. Like, I wouldn't hate it at all. I mean, he's just I, I, yeah. I, I do think it's important. Like to your point there, um, if you're taking him, you have to understand it's going to be a while because there's there's almost no way in my brain that he is going to be a functional NBA player as a rookie. I, I just don't I see mean, that happening. Um, I know it sounds crazy to say that I would take someone like eighth or ninth and then put him in the G League, but like this is just what the situation is with this guy. Like I would do it. It's not crazy at all, honestly. I mean, or or if you are taking him, you might not want to put him in the G League, but even if you didn't want to do that, you have to be willing to play him in a situation where you know he isn't your best option to play. And that's that's it's it's a kind of a key thing to denote with a lot of these rookies, like, you know. It helps to just play NBA basketball, but most of the time, for your non-elite prospects, a franchise is going to have a player or two that are better than this guy right now, this second. It's kind of the same thing that the Hawks went, went through with Reddish last year, early in the year. Like I know the Hawks had really bad talent uh, on the roster, but it, it would have been hard to have no one better than Ken Reddish was in October. But the reason why you play that guy early on is because he's super, he's a lot more talented, and you see what playing does to help that guy. Obviously, Poku's even, you know a lot further away even, but you're gonna have to kind of have an organi- organizational plan. That I would worry about Pokusevsky if he goes to a bad a bad organization, like if he goes to the Knicks. The Knicks don't have a plan. They generally don't have a plan. And until they do, I, I just don't know what's supposed to happen there. Or the Hornets. Like, there, there are a couple of those organizations where it's like, you know, it's probably unfair, but I, I will worry. But if he goes to, like, I don't know, the Spurs or something, like a smart organization that understands it's going to take a while, but or like the, or like the Celtics. I mean, I, I know I've mocked him to the Celtics before. I don't think Boston's going to keep all their picks. But if they have, if they have three first-round picks, that is the perfect spot to take him. Yeah, I think perfect. I mocked I mocked him to Boston in, like, February. Like I, I don't know. I don't. I probably had him higher in mocks earlier than most. People. I mean, he he might be yeah. like, you know, Boston picks seventeenth, for instance. He might be there still. I mean, that that's the thing yeah, about no, this he guy. Definitely that's, could be. Yeah, that's the thing about this guy is like, I don't want to over say oversell it, but he's so he's such a weird prospect in a good way, but it's such a weird prospect that you could see teams just passing. 
because there's risk there. Like it might make you look really dumb, but it also might might make you look like a genius. I, I could see him getting to Boston at 17. If, if you're the Celtics, if you have any sort of idea to keep your picks or even keep two of your picks, why not take a flyer? And at that point in the draft, it's very clear he has the highest upside in the entire class from that point forward. I mean, maybe even before that, obviously, but the only other guy that might be available in that range with similar upside is maybe McDaniels. Um, Cause everybody else that at least that as much as we expect to be available in the mid to late first round, nobody's got the upside of, of Pokashevsky. I don't think. Am I crazy? No, I agree. I mean, I would, I would honestly say like, he might have the highest upside in the draft, like up there with LaMelo. I mean, that's me. I have LaMelo as like his ceiling is a little bit above everyone else. Um, There is a ceiling with Anthony Edwards where I think he's on that level, but I just don't think it's going to happen. So Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I, I think I'm a little bit lower on the upside than you are, but even then, like what you're saying is not crazy. That's the kind of – it makes it so hard to talk about him and so fun also at the same time because if you just – Go through like the checklist and say if everything if everything works out with Pokashevsky, knowing that he's a seven footer who's a fluid athlete and is super skilled, you the upside is incredibly high. The likelihood of everything coming together is a different <laughs> conversation, but if it, if it actually all worked, it would be really fun. So, yeah, there's not e- there's not even a comparison for him. I don't think like no. in the NBA. I haven't heard one like, yet that makes sense. <laughs> the the only way I can explain it is like he's like Ben Simmons, but he's the opposite of Ben Simmons. Like he's he's not strong. He's weak. He, he can shoot. You know, like he's but he plays the same way when he gets the ball and when he can push off the break. But there's really no one else in the NBA who's that big who just grabs the ball and throws like a, I mean, he can literally throw like he's right-handed shooter and he can throw like around the back left-handed bounce passes between two people. Like he can do stuff that like three people in the league can do like Trey young, Chris Paul, LeBron. I just, Jokic. Oh. I mean, like, I don't know if it's going to happen. And, well, that's and the that's thing. Why, I, I'm, I'm with you. 100%. That's why he's, that's why he could go 17th in a bad draft. I mean, I'm not saying he is those guys. I'm saying that even if he doesn't make it as one of those guys, like Lonzo Ball is one of the best passers in the league. He's not one of the best players. Like Poku is going to be one of the better passers in the league if he's capable of competing at that level. Yeah, whatever. I, I, whatever I would love he can compete in. He's going to be one of the best passers. Yeah, I, I would love to have seen him play against anyone. Um, but that's that's the intrigue here is that he hasn't. He really does not have any tape against anything remotely close to. NBA competition. That's one of the misconceptions that I think a lot of fans have. Obviously, you and I do not. People that pay attention to stuff do not. But, like, there's this whole international thing where, like, people don't necessarily understand the difference between the league um, that Denny of Dia is playing in and the league that Poku's playing in. And they could not be further away from each other. I know they're both overseas and they're both, you know, international prospects. But competition level is so important here. I mean, going back to the Luca discussion, like, Luca was playing the best, Luca was playing the second best league in the world. And Poku is playing against, like, D3 college competition. Like, it could not be a bigger gap between the Euro League and where Poku is playing, which makes it even harder. If he was doing this stuff against high-level competition in Europe, not even the Euro League, but, like, a good league in France or 
anywhere basically that's a real league, uh, I would be more he, interested. Yeah, even the NBL. Yeah, I mean, the NBL is much better than where he is, and the NBL's got some flaws to it, as we'll talk about with Lamelo and RJ Hampton. But that's a much better league than what he's playing in. So it's just tough, and the, he, that he's a guy that people will be arguing about all the way up through the draft. But um, you could definitely see the appeal. You could see the downside, and uh, if he went anywhere from like eighth to twenty eighth in this draft, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, he's in the B League in Greece. For anyone who's, I don't know if we said that yet, but I think that's actually the exact place Giannis was. Yeah, um, uh, the exact league Giannis was playing in. Yeah, it's not like people just have to keep in perspective. Like it sounds like I, I'm saying this guy's going to be great, or maybe maybe it doesn't. But it's this draft is not like it might end up being good, but it's, on all accounts right now, it's it's not that great coming into it. People are, you know, not giving out A plus grades on it to anyone. <laughs> so my, so my point is, like, Poku is 18, number one. Number two, he has a lot of skills that translate to the modern NBA. He's seven feet tall. Like, you might pass on like your fourth best starter taking a chance on this guy. Like, I mean, t- say you take Patrick Williams, and like, unless you're the Warriors trading back or something, Patrick Williams probably doesn't unlock your offense. So. You go sign a twelve million dollar wing or you know twelve million dollar hybrid forward, and and you take a chance on Poku and I, and you're almost in the same boat. I mean, I know you don't get the cap flexibility of having a young guy who's good and all that, but it's worth the risk to me. And if you if your team's not good, guess what? You're in the lottery next year. So, you know, I just I just don't think there's anything in the ten to twenty range in this draft that, you know, other than probably the one guy that's going to get picked and actually make an All Star game or something. In general, there's just not anything out there that it's like oh we can't pass on this yep so why not go for like the home run if if you don't have like like if you're one of these teams that has a ceiling of being like a six seed i mean it wouldn't even be a decision for me i would just even the spurs you know they're kind of stuck right now it would i would just take them i mean barring someone who's actually you know really high on board slipping to 11 or wherever they're at yeah, I'm, um, I'm with you on this. I mean, we, we, we'll transition and talk about uh, Williams and Bay now because they're – even those those two guys are really different. Like, I it's kind of funny to contrast Poku against Patrick Williams because Patrick Williams is also, like, not a I, – I don't, I don't think he's a low upside player. I think he actually has pretty good upside, but it's just a different kind of upside. Like, Williams is this great athlete that's, like, a big-time um, explosive – you know, finishing type of guy um, who looks like an NBA player physically right now, but he kind of just flashed at times at Florida State, and he's he's young. He's 18 still, I think, as well. This 6'7", 220. Like, he's kind of this, like, prototypical hybrid forward, interesting guy who does a lot of things well, but at the same time isn't super polished at this point in time. But if you fig- if you squint, you could see that all working out, and defensively, he could be a monster with it, with his athleticism and his finishing. Could be interesting. Um but like that's obviously a very different kind of upside play than Poku because I don't I don't think you're drafting Patrick Williams for safety. I really don't. Like Sadiq Bay is the safe guy with low right. upside, whereas Williams actually I would maybe disagree, but I think I would term him more of a project not pro, project project probably a dirty word. I would say more of a developmental guy than most players in this range. But then Poku's like four steps beyond that in terms of being a developmental guy. Right. Williams Williams looks safe compared to Poku, but he's not really safe. Like I think he's going to be really good. And honestly, I think at this moment I would have Williams 
ahead of both Bay and Poku on my board, which might be controversial, but that kind of goes to what we're talking about in terms of I value floor more than you do on Poku, and I do think that Williams' ceiling is just considerably higher than Sadiq Bay, so I'm kind of splitting the difference. But I don't know. It's it's a weird one. Yeah, I think it depends on your team a little bit as well. I mean, oh, I know you, I know you want does. to try to draft the best player, but it, it's not it's not that simple always. You do have to look at you know scheme and other guys that are young that are going to be part of your core and. I, I don't know. Part of, I mean, I've went back and forth. Like I've written my board down one day and I'll have, you know, Williams, Poku, then Denny as my four. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then I'll have Poku, Denny, Williams. I, they're all close. And I mean, even Denny is, I, I actually think Denny is like the thing about Denny. The, I mean, if I was rating just upside, I would have Poku as the highest upside. Williams has the second highest upside and Denny has the third highest upside. Denny's probably just better than Williams right now. Yeah, I actually agree with you on that on that order in terms of upside, and then and then Bay would be fourth or even lower than that um, on just pure upside. That where I where I struggle, and we'll talk about all these guys together now. I guess just instead of just breaking them all down individually, and we'll spend some time on Denny at the end. But I, I think the point you're making is a good one. Like Denny, if you don't like Denny that much, it's probably because of upside concerns, and that's where I am. I don't really see. Ups, much upside with Denny, not and that's not like I, I think I still have him around around my top ten, so I'm not like trying to crap on him. I just have a hard time seeing a super high ceiling there. So, but on the flip side, I'm pretty confident that Denny is going to be an NBA player and like a pretty useful one. Um, so there's the floor is more intriguing, and he has played against high level competition and done pretty well, at least reasonably well against it. Um, so. And that's what I mean. Like it's it's kind of picking nits. I think I would still have Denny rated the highest of these four guys, but that's not like an overwhelming jump over the other guys. Where I mean, you'll find people that we think are smart that have Denny like three or four. Like people people are are in on Denny, and I'm I I would say I feel bad saying that I'm not because I still I still think he's a pretty good prospect, but I would not consider him honestly in the top four or five. I just, I don't think I would, but I also know that he probably will go, well, maybe not probably, he, he certainly could go third and I wouldn't be stunned by it. No, I mean, he, he, in this draft, I don't really think there's like, if you feel good about someone, I don't really think there's going to be that many like horrible picks after like three or four. I mean, that, it's that, just... that, that's going to be our mindset. By the way, this entire series, we'll probably say that multiple times because I'm with you. This is going to be an eye of the eye of the beholder draft in a big way. Yeah, it's just like, what do you like? Who do you know a lot about? You know, who fits? You know, who? Depending on what team you are, you might want someone who's like Paul Reed, who's more ready or more experienced at least. Um, I don't know. The thing with that, I agree. That's my whole thing with Jenny. Like, I was into him for like a week, and then I just kept watching him, kept watching him. I was like, all right, he's good. I know he's good. What is he like? Let's going, yeah, let's let's talk know, about him. A little bit, what, like what people. What's he gonna do? What is he gonna do to like become an outlier good player? And I know like not every top pick in this draft is gonna be an outlier good player, but if you are picking second, third, or fourth, you that's what you're still trying to find. And I don't even really like Anthony Edwards, like compared to a lot of people. I mean, I think he's gonna be a good player, but I don't, I don't really, I don't know if I can buy like the ceiling with him as much. But I would still take him over Denny because. 
all the stuff Denny does, like, I don't want to say it's replaceable, but it's harder to replace than what Edwards could be. Oh, that's definitely true. I mean, so uh, uh, Abdia, um, people, for people that don't know anything about him, he's like pretty much atypical in terms of what the casual fan might envision of a European prospect. He's actually super physical and tough. He's a good athlete. Like he's not a soft shooter European. That's not what he is. He's kind of the opposite of that. Like I think he's a better defender than he is offensive player right now. For instance, um, he's a good passer. He does feel the game really well. But his jump shot's a huge concern. His free, th- his free throw shooting is absolutely terrible, and it could be mental, but it's a not a great indicator. His three point shooting is not very good at this point in time. But he can attack the rim, and he's a smart player. He kind of under- he knows what to do, and I think that's kind of the reasons why I think he's going to be a useful NBA player. I think he's going to be able to to, to defend and be a two way guy who doesn't kill you on either end of the floor and at six eight or whatever he is six nine that is uh, a very useful kind of skill set to have at the position that he's at and he's still pretty young he's 19 so like that he, check, he checks a lot of boxes but in terms of the upside question that we both that we both just referenced I'm not sure he's ever going to shoot enough to be like anything close to a primary offensively and I don't think he's going to be a complete like lockdown defender. Like I think he's going to be pretty good defensively, but he isn't going to like be OG Ananobi either. So w- that player is useful, and I think we I, I'll always argue that having a guy who can function on both ends at six eight in the NBA right now as sort of a hybrid forward type that's a very useful piece to have. But it's also not a super high upside play for me. I I just don't see, and it sounds like you agree. I don't really know what his number one skill is supposed to be at the NBA level. And usually, usually not always, but usually you need to have kind of one thing you do really well to make that kind of jump. And I'm not sure what it's supposed to be. Yeah. I mean, he's good in transition. Yeah. But that's like probably his biggest strength to me. I mean, I don't even just all around in transition. He can finish it, but he's actually a good passer. He's physical. Like you were saying, I know it's not the NBA, but there are there are clips of him grabbing a rebound, dribbling down the whole floor, pass faking, and dunking on someone. I mean, he's done that. Um, yeah. He he's not. He's a good like, athlete. He really is a good athlete. And like you people won't know that, but he is. He's not, you know, Joe Ingles or anything like that. Like it's not even, not even close. Um, if you were forcing yourself to compare him to a Euro guy, it's not even a good comparison. But don't. I just wouldn't, honestly. I think he, I mean, I, he has much better comps European. that are not European. <laughs> yeah, the one European guy is like if if Jetty Osman was what he was supposed to be, I could actually see. Yeah, be- better. That's actually a pretty good one. Uh, if you're trying to find that, I just, I just, I, I think it's probably fading away a little bit. But I know there are still people out there that just assume the European guy that they haven't seen is this like you know soft offensive skill guy, and that's just not what Denny is at all. Like yeah. he's the opposite of that. Um, yeah. I wish he could what, shoot. It's kind of what Poku is. But. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's actually true. But I mean, if like, uh, I mean, it, there's a reason it's out there. I mean, not all of them are soft, but like no, there, there not are soft. Like there's a lot of skilled, uh, like Jokic, you know, Poku, Doncic. I mean, none of these guys are necessarily soft, but I don't. Well, I don't it's know. actually I, more of an outdated one anyway. I mean, it's if yeah. the whole the whole era, and you were you're a lot younger than me, but the era of the Shkidis Vili's and that, that, that range where like, it was just in vogue to find one guy per year that actually was soft and was like a six eleven, 
European guy. Um, but anyway, I mean, it still uh, happens. Like Saris it does happen. Still. The most physical player, but 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 he's. Yeah, I don't you know, think it matters. Like, like there's right. It doesn't. Matter. There's. I mean, there are soft players in the league that aren't from Europe. Oh, hundred percent true. Um, so. la- lastly, on Denny specifically. My my big thing is if you are going to take Denny in the top five and teams do have him up there, you have to think he's going to shoot. Like I, I don't I don't see how you take him in even the top six or seven without really believing that he can be at least an average three point shooter, um, which is not off the table by any means. But right now. I think he shot like 33, 34% for the season this year from three, which is just fine. It's not good, but it's not terrible. But his free throw shooting is a mess. It was like in the low 50s, um, which is, you know, I don't think that's necessarily going to always be that way, but it's not a great data point. And for me, it's just hard to bank on him unless he is a reliable shooter. He's not ever going to be a super high-end shooter, I don't think, but he better be a mid-33 point shooter or it's just not going to work in the way that whoever and that, that that team drafts him is hoping. I think he can still be an NBA player as a low 33-point shooter, but for him to be like a good starter, he's going to have to be able to shoot. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's he's not like a great shooter right now, but I mean, some people like his form. and I mean, I agree. I'm, we're pretty aligned on this. I just don't think he's like this guy you have to take in the top 10, but... He's going to go there, I think. I mean, the lowest yeah, no, I've I, seen him or heard him mocked is 11 to San Antonio. And even then, I think that's like a worst-case scenario for him. I can't really imagine from what I have heard around the league that he's going to get out of the top 10. I'd be no, pretty surprised. I think, I think he will go top 10. I'm just saying, like, yeah, there's, there's going to there's gonna be guys go 12 and 13 that I don't really have. Like, if Patrick Williams goes 14th, I'll you know think that's a better value than taking Denny 7th. So I, uh, I tend to agree with you. And I think we'll talk about this, you know, in terms of the Hawks though, I'm not trying to say that if the Hawks got the seventh pick and took Danny, that it would be some sort of disaster. I don't, I don't believe that, but I'm pretty confident that wherever the Hawks are, um, b- at least before a trade down, if they did one, um, I will not be arguing that, that, that they should take Denny wherever they are. Cause the Hawks could fall as low as eight, um, in their current spot if the draft lottery holds. But even at eight, I, I probably won't be the guy banging on the table for the Hawks to draft any. Um, it wouldn't, again, it wouldn't be bad, I don't think, at six, seven, eight, somewhere in that range. I'm not saying it would be a terrible pick. But Is, um, he, is he too similar to Reddish, like now that I really think about it? I mean, kind of. I, I, I think, I personally think that Denny is probably going to be a four in the NBA more. But honestly, with what the Hawks have, he would be very useful. And I think he's actually closer to helping an NBA team than a lot of these rookies would be. But at the same time, um, knowing that the Hawks already have commitments to Reddish and Hunter, you know, would he potentially help them? Yes, but I, I don't think that he is a great fit necessarily. Like, I think him and Hunter have a lot of crossover and then Reddish too in some respects. But, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world. Like, anyway, I'm, I always say this, like, if you want to have a bunch of guys who can play the three and the four or even the two, three and the four, that's not a bad thing. But... It's not. I mean, the Hawks don't have like a single position of need, but Denny doesn't really change the calculus for the Hawks. I don't think. Yeah, you would like that player to be either bigger or a better shooter. I mean, like we'll we'll get into this, but it's I mean, not a lock that he can shoot, and the Hawks no. really need shooting. We'll get into this when we talk about the wings later on. But for instance, um, and I'm not the biggest Devin Vassell zealot. 
I, I have Devin Vassell ahead of Denny. And I think that's not a consensus, by the way, in terms of like mainstream mocks. You usually see Denny go ahead. But if I'm the Hawks at, at seven and I have, I wouldn't necessarily just have, make it one, one of these two guys necessarily. But if, if, if my final choice is the Hawks was down to Devin Vassell or Denny, I would take Devin Vassell. Um, I also have Isaac Okoro ahead of Denny on my board. So that tells you a little bit about what I think. Like I, I'm going to have Denny around 10. That's not like a, I'm not burying him by any means, but uh, I don't think I'll be advocating for the Hawks to draft him. We'll see. Things could change. I'm kind of surprised you have Okoro ahead of him. But I, I, mean, love I, I, I love I love Okoro. You know this. I, I do have him ahead of Denny, but that I wouldn't kill a team for drafting. No, I'm not saying that's yeah. a big. It's not a. It's not a big drop. And that's and that's the whole thing about this whole draft. Honestly, is that it's fairly flat. So like my six versus my ten might be a pretty small gap. Might be even the same tier. So it's not like I have, you know, Devin Vassell and Isaac Okoro in like a whole separate definite tier over Denny that's not necessarily the case I just think that if you if it came down to it right now I would I would not uh prioritize Denny as the Hawks um before we get out of here I want to make sure we touch on Sadiq Bey briefly because we kind of kind of glossed over him um not going to be a Hawks target I don't think unless they trade down but uh, I've always liked him it kind of makes me uncomfortable that Sadiq Bey is now like a mainstream top 15 ish kind of guy for a lot of people uh offensively he can really shoot it uh, defensively, you're hoping he's you're hoping he's just okay, um, and that's the split. I think a lot of people, like draft player types, don't buy the defense, and I totally understand that honestly. And if it doesn't work out on defense, then he becomes a specialist on, on the offensive end. Again, he can really shoot it, and I I believe in the offense for sure. It just comes down to what you think about his defense. If you think he's going to be terrible defensively, then you probably think he's like a late first, maybe even early second round pick. If you buy the defense a little bit, you probably have him in the top twenty. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't. He's also it's older. To, it's hard to have him in the second round, though. I I've mean, seen, I've, I've seen people that people that you and I both trust that have him like in the 30s, and I'm, I'm not saying that's wrong. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously a lot higher than that. It just comes down to like he's not a great athlete, man. And if you don't think that a guy can hold up defensively, he becomes just a shooter, and that's not the worst thing in the world. I think Sadiq Bey could play a little bit of power forward. Like he's a legit, you know, six eight, maybe six nine, two twenty, two thirty. I think he might have to play some four, and but it, if you just think he's not going to be able to guard, I'm not going to argue that much with you. I like him. I like him defensively a little bit more than some some people do. But he's just he's not a great athlete, and that is going to be the thing that people I think are divided on him because I think everyone knows he can shoot. That's not like it's not really up for debate. It's just what how much you value everything else that he brings. Yeah, I think he's gonna go like where Cam Johnson should have went last year. <laughs> yeah, Cam Johnson yeah. won eleven and probably should have gone like twentieth, and that or lower. And that's yeah. I mean, it's funny. Okora's another guy like this, but Sadiq Bay was someone that I loved pretty early on, and like it was like radical to think that Sadiq Bay was gonna be like a top twenty pick in the draft. And now, you know, I still like him and I always have, but people caught up and maybe even went too far. Um, and I count myself in this as well. You know, I don't think that Sadiq Bay should be a lottery pick probably in this draft. If you took him at 14, I wouldn't criticize that at all. But he is a, I think he's just a mid first round pick, like a top 20 guy um, that will probably help a playoff team. Going back to you, what you said earlier on the podcast about like how different players help different teams. Sadiq Bay is definitely someone who is better suited to a playoff team as like a clear role player that can maybe even help you right away. You know, rookies never help 
almost never help you right away anyway, but he's he's the kind of guy that actually could be a useful like seventh man as a rookie. That wouldn't surprise me, but I also think his upside's very high. So Yeah, I mean I just if you're, you know, Boston and he's still there at 25, I mean that's an easy pick. I mean I don't really see the 30s honestly. He shot too well. No, he should he should he yeah. should go higher than that. I mean, I I I still have him in the top 20 pretty clearly. For me, I know I like him more than some, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I can't imagine a team, you know, I'm trying to look at like in my in, in my brain, like what, like good, a good mocks, like for the like the Bucks should take him at 19, right? If he's there at 19, the Bucks should take him. For instance, um, I mean, I think Boston should take, should take a swing with one of their picks, but like he's often mocked, even including by me, to like Minnesota at 16 because of the fit. I think right. having the shooting there would really help. Minnesota and he you know defensively wouldn't super help you but like and that's their second pick they've already had one early on and that's their second pick of the draft that makes some sense if they, if they take a swing on like a high upside guy in the top five and then come back with a safer you know floor spacer at 16 that makes some sense to me Orlando should not take him <laughs> at 15 New Orleans should not take him at 13 like those are the kind of player teams that, that wouldn't like him. but like what about Portland yeah, I mocked him to Portland a couple of times, but um, I mean, it just depends what they're trying to do. If yeah, if they're trying to get back to the playoffs at all costs, I mean, that's a good pick for sure. But he's just not, not a lot of upside. I mean, it, it comes down yeah. to philosophy. On, on you know, a lot of draft things come down to philosophy in general. But if you are someone who really values upside, Sadiq Bay is not going to appeal to you because I don't think he has a lot of it. Um, but his floor, I think, is fairly high because even if it, even if the defense doesn't work, provided he makes shots, and I think he's going to make shots, he'll still be a useful bench piece for you, and that is helpful. It's just not I mean, sexy. The Bucks are. I can't think of a better one than that because they're going to not going to have money. So, well, yeah, having, no, having, having have... something on rookie scale that can, you know, just hit the shoot button when you kick it out to him and pretend to guard somebody. I mean, that's he'll just he'll be he'll be the replacement for uh, for Urson. And right. uh, that'll yeah, be I mean. whatever. But yeah, I, I just wanted to make sure we covered him a little bit just because we spent a lot more time. He is definitely the least appealing to talk about of those four guys. But bringing it all for full circle on the forward preview, I think we agree that five, that the top five in terms of maybe not top five, but there are five guys who we think are going to be our first round picks are uh, Denny, Sadiq Bey, Patrick Williams, Pokashevsky, and Jade McDaniels. Uh, are almost certainly going to be picked in the first round. And then you have that uh, other tier of guys who could be picked in the top 30, 35, 40, which is Paul Reed, Tyler Bay, and Robert Woodard. And then uh, get a little bit deeper from there. I want to make sure we sort of do a, uh, a recap. So that's kind of where I am on this. And again, this is the least sexy of the groups. Uh, the big men uh, will do at some point, and they have... You know, probably three three lottery picks. You get into the wings, and they're probably two lottery picks, maybe even as many as three. Uh, even the combo guards, you probably have at least two guys that are going to be in the lottery, and then the point guards, three or four guys in the lottery. So, this is the one where there could realistically be a scenario where only one of these forwards goes in the lottery. That wouldn't like blow me away if Patrick Williams went fifteenth instead of thirteenth. But there you go. Right. No, I. We're not far off. I mean, we have different takes on actual guys, but in terms oh, yeah. of how in terms of how they tear out, 
I think we're pretty close. I'm a little higher on Poku. You're a little higher on Sadiq. But I think we both understand why each other likes the person, and it's just a matter of preference. I I always value floor a little bit more than most people do, and that's okay. Because I also think the upside's important. So it's not like I only value floor. I think teams teams get in trouble when they don't look at upside especially teams that need to value upside that are trying to rebuild and trying to aim high. But um, I think people too often sometimes overlook floor and floor floor is helpful to uh, project. So there you go. Yeah. My thing with this draft though, is at a certain point, Poku's floor and (laughs) like, if someone's just going to be like, if someone's floor is bad and Poku's floor is out of the league, like I don't really care which one, like it's bad. It's not a bad point. It really isn't like bad either way. If someone's good, if someone's floor is to be bad, that's, that's the same difference is like, I would rather just not have them the same as just Poku's just gone. I'd rather that person just be gone. So you, you could certainly argue that Patrick Williams floor is not that much higher than Poku's floor because Patrick Williams like I said before, is more of a developmental prospect, and if the light just doesn't come on, I don't. I don't think he's gonna be out of the league necessarily, but he's still pretty raw. So if that doesn't, if that polish never really arrives, he may not be a good NBA player. That's that's definitely in play. It's like yeah, again, I can sort of see get it him more, somewhere, but... somewhere where they they use his passing. If if you just try to use him as like a pick and roll player, like that's not really what he does. Like he needs to be like. Catching the ball off DHOs and you know catching the ball being set up for DHOs. Like I don't, he he's interesting, but I would agree he's he's risky. Yeah, I mean risky is you know I don't think he's the same level of risky as Poku because nobody is as, as risky as Poku in this draft. He is definitely the number one boom bust prospect in the whole class. But you know there are certain guys who I would not say are floor based picks, and there's probably one or two in each one of these tiers that are not floor guys like RJ Hampton's not a floor guy. Um, Patrick Williams, not a floor guy. Um, precious, precious to Chua, not a floor guy. They have ceilings if it all works out, but, and, and that's just a couple of names. There's more obviously, but um, you know, it's not just Poku. that's frisky. He just happens to be the number one boom bust guy. Alas. Um, all right. Well, that's probably a good forward primer for now. Um, if you have any, if you have any any final thoughts, please feel free to share them. And if not, please plug everything you got going on because uh, you're very busy still. Yeah, no, I think we covered it uh, as far as the forwards. But you can find me on Twitter at zhood underscore. Uh, you can find all my stuff there. I'm the Falcons Sports Illustrated. If you're into Atlanta Falcons, I'm the editor over there, and I do draft. At the step back, which and obviously you know peace troops, I'll be doing a little bit at each place, and you know try to stay safe, everyone at this time. But we're gonna try to give you know the people hopefully what they want <laughs> or what they or what they need anyway, something like that. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll be doing this every week, maybe every two, something like that for the next five installments. We'll get through it. Zach's been gracious to give me some time to do all these and uh, we'll have fun talking about the draft. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this one. Um, Subscribe to the podcast. Check out all of Zach's stuff. Follow him on Twitter and we'll see everybody next time.